From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Well, this is it. This will be the final installment of this program for 2019 and the last conspiracy show of the decade. Of course, uh, we'll be back in January to begin anew. So, Happy New Year, folks. What a year. What a decade. It's been on many fronts. This was perhaps the decade that proved your paranoid uncle was right. You probably owe him a beer. So many things we've talked about on this program have come to fruition, and that would be somewhat gratifying if it weren't so gosh darn frightening. It's been quite a year, quite a decade for ET disclosure, and two gentlemen who toil in that arena join me this hour. Stephen Bassett and Victor Vigiani are both uh, here to discuss, well, ET disclosure. Where do we go from here? What are the odds we'll finally have E.T. Disclosure in 2020. And what does that even mean, E.T. Disclosure? And we'll also look at some recent headlines in the field of ufology. In the second hour, open lines. I had planned to do an hour of open lines last week, uh, but my conversation with Stefan Verstappen on building communities and support networks, that kind of took things over. Uh, So we will do open lines tonight, second hour, pinky swear. Uh, and what better way to say goodbye to the year than uh, an hour of open lines? And what I'd really like to do is get your predictions for 2020. They could be political, uh, domestic politics, world politics, the economy, the world of entertainment. I'll give you a few of mine. Now, I'm not asking you to remote view anything. I just want you to give me your opinion. And these predictions can be, well, as outlandish and unlikely as you want to make them, or they could be things that are based on recent trends and are very likely to happen or could happen. Again, that's hour two. Speaking of predictions, try to imagine what headlines we may see in this coming year, 2020, with regards to UFOs and ET disclosure. The past two years, certainly since the December 2017 New York Times uh, article, also on Politico, uh, revealing the existence of a secret Pentagon program, ATIP, Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program, and two gentlemen that have worked tirelessly to advance ET disclosure join me this hour. Stephen Bassett is the executive director of Paradigm Research Group, founded in 1996 to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomena. He's spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of formal disclosure by world governments of extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race and given over 1,200 radio and TV interviews. PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by national and international media. Victor Vigiani's research and and analysis of anomalous aerial phenomenon spans... 30 years. His experience involves UFO sightings, report investigation, counseling work with individuals reporting anomalous experiences, presentations, and journalism in the field of ET disclosure issues. And he is the executive director 
of Zeland News Network and Zeland Communications. Stephen Victor, I want to go back to uh, 2017 December because there seems to be a bit of an about face from the Pentagon. And Victor, I know you covered this at uh, Zeland News recently. First, they admitted, yes, that they were studying unexplained aerial phenomena. And then we had, I believe it was a deputy director over at the Pentagon saying the exact opposite. They weren't studying UFOs and, well, pick it up from there. What, what's going on? You know, my uh, sort of assessment of that, Richard, and I know Steve will have, probably have his own assessment of it too, is that I was told by a, an individual who um, was a former CIA uh, operative uh, in the late 70s and early 80s and uh his his mantra was the, uh, the 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 pentagon always lies and um i i don't exactly where he gets that information from but the last couple of um years uh, that has uh, in my assessment <clears throat> gone on to paid off as as true they said one thing before uh and that was that they had 22 million dollars uh, in some way assessed to them through the Senate funding mechanism, and we can talk about it a little earlier, a little later. Uh, and then it came out that uh, Senator Harry Reid somehow uh, got these funds. Oh, did we lose Pentagon, Victor? And it began an investigation program of, um, <laughs> okay, there you are. of UFOs. And then after that, um, you know, th- that became a huge, a huge issue. It came out along with the the, the Navy, uh, the U.S. Navy, indicating that they were releasing their pilots to tell. Uh, what these pilots have seen in the air and this whole convolution of the Pentagon revelations and the Navy assessment of it built up a huge, I guess, um, wave of information that led people to believe that the U.S. government was in some way or another moving towards some sort of disclosure. I know the Navy has sort of propelled that forward and allowing that thing to go forward in terms of their own pilots, but for some reason the, the Pentagon has backed off. And we don't know exactly why, and I guess that's why we're talking tonight. All right, Stephen, what is your uh, analysis of this uh, apparent about-face by the Pentagon with regards to this Pentagon program, ATIP? Let me preface my analysis. Uh, What's going on here is extraordinarily complex. Uh, It involves national security issues as well as the military intelligence complex, which has been doing this and that for many, many years. But what happened in 2016 when a group inside the, when a substantial group of individuals inside the Pentagon made the decision that they were going to go proactive and allow a private group to be formed, essentially a surrogate group to be formed, of obviously, openly, uh, substantial careerists working at the Pentagon, working in Congress, working at the CIA, uh, and Lockheed, and other laboratories, which was, and a lot of people just simply forget this, absolutely unprecedented. Um, There was something major went down there. And it's very complicated, and we don't have all the information because they're not allowing all the information to go out. And so the To the Stars Academy was dropped in to the, I guess you could say, the extraterrestrial phenomena community, formally on October 11th, 2016. It didn't come with a great deal of origin story. Hadn't been several major books written about it or anything. Uh, 
They just announced it. Though we had some warnings or heads up that it was coming, and that was get delivered by Tom DeLong earlier in 2016 uh, to George Knapp on Coast to Coast. We gave a four-hour interview, hinted all over the place, and, and, and toyed with us about what was coming. And what is being done is extremely complicated. Now, the problem right now, I say the problem, one of the great problems, and there are many, many, many problems, that American people, in their effort to engage government and engage the truth, have, is that they're overwhelmed. The amount of information, good, bad, or ugly, that's available on the net, on Twitter, on websites, bogus and otherwise, is simply massive. Anybody can say anything about anything. Uh, so, so you have essentially millions and millions of people that are, that are going to have opinions and their own thoughts about anything significant happening. And what can be much more significant than a major development in the extraterrestrial issue? And so, what we've seen for the last well, we're now in the it's, it's really a good long year. It's a, it's a it's a it's a uh, 14-month year, but it's a hell of a 14 months. It's pretty chaotic. And enough to turn anybody off that's new to this issue and trying to figure out what's going on as they kind of filter through uh, the various postings and, and uh, assertions and estimates and what have you. It's a mess, but I'm not sure it could be otherwise. Um, so... And, and, and again, no question that you can ask about what's going on has even a remotely short answer. Nothing, nothing comes close. The proper answer to the question that you just asked about the Pentagon statement that essentially went to George, uh, to, uh, to, uh, uh, John Greenwald as he probed, as he does, for background information regarding the To the Stars Academy. We could talk for hours and hours about it. And so you see how difficult it is. And the reason that we're not able to spend more time is we don't have the funds. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources to really, truly uh, engage issues at great depth. In other words, we're not the New York Times. We're not ABC News. We're just people out here trying to follow an issue. But to give you the shortest possible answer... Now, To the Stars Academy is backed by a group of people inside the military intelligence complex, most of which I imagine are focused at the Pentagon. We do not know who they are. They have been alluded to by some of the members of the To the Stars Academy, particularly Jim Semivan. We don't know who they are. We don't know who gave the ultimate authorization for them to even exist. We don't know who actually authorized the declassification of the gun camera footages that were given to Luis Elizondo that he gave to the New York Times. There's a ton we simply do not know, and we're not allowed to know, because this information has got to remain confidential, or this group would be under considerable uh, risk of collapsing which is to say that they have X amount of support within the military intelligence complex to doing to do what they do. And that means there's Y amount of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of uh, negative views inside the military intelligence complex to stop doing what they're doing. Think of it as a tug of war. All right, and so this announcement 
comes out of this group, which is a surrogate group for another group inside the military intelligence complex. And we don't know the origin story. And then somebody like John Greenwald, appropriately, who has has phone numbers, he's not the only one, gets in touch with the, uh, the Pentagon's front office, where the public relations people are, where the spokes people are, and wants to know this or that. So what's the problem here? The spokes people are representing the whole Pentagon, not specialized groups within the Pentagon. They're representing the whole Pentagon. They speak for that organization, and they answer exactly as according as they are, and they're allowed to by their bosses. And so the quote office that was responding to those questions was light years removed from the core group that made the decision to go forward in the first place. And they got can't, it. They, yeah. And they can't reveal information. And so they basically say, uh, initially they said there was no study. It's false. I think at some point they said Luis Elizondo didn't run a study. That's right. False. Yes. All right. All false. Why? Because they're in a, they can't, they can't acknowledge those things because there are plenty of people inside the Pentagon that would be very upset and they serve the whole Pentagon. Whatever their thoughts about this program, and the team, Luis Elizondo and the others, personally, they're not their spokesperson. And so once you get that false response, oh boy, off to the races we go. Uh, with uh, the accusations and the assumptions, the uh, uh, speculations and what have you, which keeps us pretty much off guard, off balance, running around, which frankly, I assure you, those in the Pentagon that do not want to see this particularly bear too much fruit, are quite happy to see. They're not going to clarify anything. So that's the first answer to that question. The second answer, if you want to kind of get a sense of how the rest of the military intelligence complex is is responding to what's going on, you look at the Navy. Now, this is not some query put in to the Navy spokesperson or the press office. This is actions by the Navy that can be easily assessed. So what, what happened in 2016 is the gun camera footage to several Navy encounters were released to the public. It's unprecedented. The most significant was the Nimitz event. Navy carriers, Navy planes, extraordinary sightings, efforts to suppress them, keep people from talking, all just came out. It had been kind of in play. But now it came out big time. Not just came out big time. It came out in the New York Times. This put the, the Navy in a very bad light. Uh, they're lying to the public. They're clearly opposed to us knowing the truth, etc. It's a problem. So what did the Navy do? Well, first the Navy announced that we're going to uh, work with the protocols of pilot sightings so that they can make it easier for them to report these things. Meaning, hey, we're on your side. But then they did something more extraordinary. And this is a very significant event of 2019. The Navy went to the specific effort to acknowledge and confirm that the gun camera footage that was released was indeed Navy gun camera footage from Navy planes of unidentified aerial phenomena, which instantly gutted a significant percentage of all of the debunking, skeptical BS that was just 
raging around the net about this by people that really just can't bear to go a day without expressing their ill-informed opinions. That was non-trivial. And then something else happened. The Army agreed to enter into ACRATA, Cooperative Research R&D uh, programs. It's called ACRATA. It's a very simple thing. They do a lot of them. They're not, they're not a big deal. Money's not really exchanging hands. There's no investment. But you're working in parallel. You have similar interest in some subject, and you're sharing the information, and there's some understandings that go along with it. It happens all the time, but they announced it, that they were working on a crowd with the To The Stars Academy involving two things. One, cloaking systems, which made sense because the To The Stars had announced that they were, in fact, uh, partnering up or had an arrangement with a company that was was interested in that area, cloaking systems, and also metamaterials. Metamaterials, like it had been announced that the uh, Two Stars Academy was looking at at Bigelow Aerospace as part of the ATIP program, which is, and, and both of them were tied to the same thing, vehicle enhancement. In other words, this was about making military vehicles safer and, and, and more less vulnerable in combat. Now, let's be clear. The Army doesn't have to do a CRADA, a cooperative research and development project, with some new group, such as the Two the Stars Academy, led by a former rock star. Actually, he's still a rock star, and they're still doing well, selling a lot of records. It's way too flimsy. They don't have to do that. Why did they do it? They did it to show their colors. In other words, they basically it was an affirmation. These guys are legit, and we're letting you know that because we're actually getting into an arrangement with them. So here you have, I think, the Navy and the Air Force showing their support by their actions, and that's substantive. That's not opinions and speculation from dark journalists and light journalists and whoever the hell else is out there churning out their highly sophisticated advanced assessments of this. That's Even while the Pentagon is denying it, it's like it's like don't you know don't pay attention to what we're saying. Watch what we're doing. Exactly. All right, we're going to uh, head into a break here shortly. When we come back, I, uh, you, you sort of hinted at this. I want to talk a little bit more about. I think it was uh, the New York Times in September announced that uh, to the Stars Academy had obtained quote exotic material samples from UFOs. But no further details uh, were given at the time. We'll uh, find out what that might mean and uh, what 2020 portends for ET disclosure. Stephen Bassett and Victor Vigiani, my guests, stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. I'm on Instagram, Richard Serrett, and Facebook, Strange Planet, with Richard Serrett at uh, Facebook. Say, have you signed up for my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum? All you need to do is go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, and right there at the top, you just uh, there's a little uh, a little sign there that says sign up here. Click on that. All I need is your first last name, email, and then you will start to uh, receive 
the, the monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, every month in your inbox. That's for free, and you'll also be automatically uh, registered for our monthly draw for some fun, strange planet merchandise, T-shirts and mugs and uh, so forth. Uh, Stephen Bassett is uh, with us from the Paradigm Research Group, and Victor Vigiani from Zealand uh, Communications and Zealand News Network as we continue to discuss uh, exopolitics and uh, ET disclosure and whether that might come in 2020. I wanted to ask you about uh, this story. I think it was in September, and you sort of alluded to it, uh, uh, Stephen, but I wanted just to drill down a little bit more. Uh, this report is that that uh, the Academy to the Stars had received exotic materials uh, from UFOs, but there weren't a lot of other details uh, um, uh, offered uh, aside from that. But that's pretty tantalizing. Exotic materials from UFOs. Uh, do you want to weigh in on that, uh, Victor? And then we'll turn it back to Stephen. Did we lose Victor? All right, Stephen. Yeah, I think I think the the well, ideas, um, Richard, about the the men of materials is that, um, and I'm not sure exactly how to frame it, but it it it, it appears to me that uh, people like Hal Putov and and Steve Mellon um, involved in the, to the Stars Academy have got a hold of something. Um, whether these men of materials are actually, you know, parts of a craft of a of a an, you know, UAP or UFO, whatever you want to call it, or if it's something else. We, we don't know exactly why. But um, my my largest problem with all of this is that, and this goes back to Luis Elizondo, too. Uh, when the announcement was made uh, in, in uh, two, 2017, all this information came uh, forward. And, and what, I, what I would call, and the CIA calls it, a limited hangout. And that means that um, people who are in charge of information, and we know that uh, the intelligence agencies within the United States and other um, and, and other intelligence agencies uh, globally have information that they throw out uh, to the general public and just sort of um, you know see who bites uh, onto onto the hook. And the reason that they call it a limited hangout is because you never really know exactly what that information is. And Luis Elizondo was put in that position, too. When he resigned uh, from the uh, the ATIP program and went forward to uh, make several presentations uh, throughout the United States about his, you know, purported role uh, at the ATIP program, and I've listened to at least three of his presentations. And this man seems to be, you know, have been plugged in very, very closely to what was going on and making the statements that he made in terms of, well, yes, I can talk about this and I can talk about that. And what I think is confusing everyone about the whole situation is that the information that's being put forward, even regarding the metamaterials, we don't know exactly what that is. And they haven't really described this stuff to be definitive about what it may be or is. And the the information creates not certainty, but it's creating more doubt about the direction and what we're going in. And it, it and adding to that, the recent um, statement by the uh, the Pentagon spokesperson uh, saying that Luis Elizondo had no major role in the eight tip program further obfuscates and conf- confuses everyone 
about what's going on. So this limited hangout is, you know, it's, it's a five steps forward, three steps back situation all the time. And I think that, you know, the point that Stephen is making is that this is making the whole situation extremely more complex than it was even to begin with. So I, I guess the question that I have to ask is that, is any information that comes out of any government agency worth the time even considering? And I think that's the position that most people are in right now. And I, I fall back to the poor journalists that are involved in all this and following it. Um, one individual, uh, uh, Brian Bender, who works uh, for Politico, does a lot of great writing for Politico. He's totally confused about the whole situation. And uh, I spoke with him earlier um, in, in the month, and uh, he, he's beside himself about what to do about all of this. He's getting one set of information from one group of people, and then they just renege on the information. So as a journalist, he doesn't know what, you know, he doesn't know uh, what, what to write about. So we're really in a very, very confused position with respect to how the government agencies are, I guess, playing their poker hand with all of this. And it is very very disconcerting, and it's making the situation, as Steve said, even more complex than it was to begin with. All right. Uh, Stephen, did you want to weigh in with any further comments about this exotic material? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, I thought you might. Let's see. First of all, uh, it's confusing to those people who are simply not have enough information and know enough about the subject to at least kind of get a sense of what's going on. As far as any journalist that doesn't know what to do with all of this, they have no sympathy from me. They've had decades and decades to educate themselves on this subject. They've refused to do it. And so when things start to break and they don't know what's going on, tough. Don't care. Um, in terms of the metamaterials, I call your attention to my webpage, paradigmresearchgroup.org. If you go there and you go to under resources on the far right and scroll on down, you will see print media archive. Open up the print media archive and you'll see a kind of a flash page. And then you'll see a link to the full print media archive, which has 11,300 articles in it. Over 500 of those articles have to do with the students are directly or indirectly connected to the to the Stars Academy, its launch, the announcement in the New York Times, and so forth. Over 500. You have people out there who have maybe read three articles, and they're just totally perplexed as to what's going on. I'm sorry. If you read those articles, what you will find out is that the matter of metamaterials, the matter of materials, has come up many times going all the way back to the beginning when the announcement came out on October 11, 2016. There's been many announcements, and when you read them all and you get a sense of what has been said and so forth, you got pretty much an idea of what's going on. They didn't give a lot of information about where they got those materials. Does that surprise anybody? They, weren't, they couldn't say... say that they got them from the Navy labs or the Air Force labs. One of the things they did say, which is notable, is that they brought, bought from Linda Moulton Howe some metamaterials that she had examined several times already without actually getting to the bottom of it for $35,000. Well, whatever she wasn't able to accomplish herself, 
one would have to admit, if they're willing to pay $35,000 for that small piece of metal, they must think it's pretty darn important. But let me get to an even larger point that, again, I I just wish people would step back and, and take in the bigger picture and grasp what's going on. And that's this. The To The Stars Academy is not a limited hangout. It's much, much bigger than that. It is a, a surrogate disclosure program allowed to come together including former high-level people that are no longer on the direct payroll of the Pentagon or the CIA or Lockheed and operate and do a number of things. That's way beyond limited hangout. And it's unprecedented. And it's pushing disclosure without question. In other words, and as I've said it many times, because of the Do the Stars Academy and everything that's gone down, the military intelligence complex by surrogate is basically leading the disclosure movement at this time. And I assure you, I never expected to ever say that in my lifetime. So there's that. But understand, the military intelligence complex is very large. We don't know how many scores of people are backing these individuals from inside still, under payroll under various sundry agreements that they simply cannot break. And we don't know how many people inside the military intelligence complex, particularly the Pentagon, who utterly hate that this is happening and wish it would all go away. But I can assure you, both groups are substantial. And for that reason, when this was allowed to go forward, and I can assure you it was allowed to go forward, there's some people out there that somehow think this would not have happened unless Tom DeLong used his incredible rhetorical skills and talked some high-level operatives within these agencies to go against the government's desires and form this group. There are people that actually think that. It's utterly ridiculous. This was allowed to go forward and even supported because the military intelligence complex wanted to get out in front of the ET issue. I know the, I think I know the reason for that. I won't get into it now because it would just take too long. They wanted this to happen. However, it wasn't going to happen unless the the, the group played by the rules. And what were the rules that they were under? What were the restrictions they were under? One, you absolutely will not release classified information. Two, you will not break any non-disclosure agreements. And three, you wouldn't say the word extraterrestrial. You would avoid it like the plague, and they have. Even alien. You certainly wouldn't say extraterrestrials are here, and nobody in that team has. Why? What are those restrictions? And more, oh, here's another important one. You wouldn't go out and start publicly hanging out with people in the ET research phenomena field. The, the long-time researchers and activists like myself, like Victor, like Richard Dolan and so many others. You couldn't do that. It doesn't matter whether you respected them or not. And why? And you wouldn't go to these conferences. You wouldn't be taking Q&A at these conferences, and they haven't really done that. They've only There's one case where they did it, and it got stopped pretty damn quickly. 
Stephen, I got to jump in here. We'll uh, we'll take a time out. Come back. Stephen Bassett from the Paradigm Paradigm Research Group. Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network. Uh, back with more in a moment. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just a reminder, top of the hour, we will open up the phone lines. And uh, I'm looking for your predictions for 2020 and uh, beyond. And also a reminder, my uh, podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, Conspiracy Unlimited, new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can listen and subscribe at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com, conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Right now, Stephen Bassett and Victor Vigiani stay with us until the top of the hour as we continue to discuss uh, ET disclosure in uh, 2020. Uh, I just want to move things along a little uh, a little bit here, but I we're getting some increasingly bold statements. Uh, things seem to be ratcheting up. For example... In May, again, of 2019, we had the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. That's a long title. The former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, Christopher Mellon, appearing on Fox and Friends and saying the Navy has a right to be concerned about these unexplained sightings. He went on to say, we know that UFOs exist. This is no longer an issue. And... uh he says the issue is why are they here, where are they coming from, and what is the technology behind these devices that we are observing. So we are getting these increasingly bold statements. Uh, i just get you to weigh in on that, uh, Victor, the importance of something like that coming from someone like a Christopher Mellon and, and, and what that might portend for the future. Are we going to see more of this in 2020? Well, I think it's a, you you almost uh, t- took some air out of the... Uh, what I want to talk about, I, I, I was going to bring that up, uh, Richard, just uh, just after the break with respect to to uh, Christopher Mellon. Um, you, I think listeners need to understand that exactly what you just said, that the United States Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, the third highest intelligence position at the Pentagon. I'll say it again, the third highest intelligence position at the Pentagon comes out and makes these kinds of statements about metamaterials, about zero-point energy, about uh, UAP propulsion systems, about uh, quantum physics, and all of the related types of information that most of us have been uh, literally honking the horn of for the past 15 years. And you get this kind of individual making these kinds of statements on uh, not only just on YouTube or interviews on Fox, but he's also made these statements on the, uh, the, the, the program on the History Channel on Identified that, um, that To the Stars Academy uh, has, has invested literally thousands, if not millions of dollars, in, in, in producing. And that series alone, if you watch the series, and I'm not sure exactly how that series will proffer itself and become part of history, but it's definitely an indication that To the Stars Academy is very, very serious about what they're talking about. They're, not, they're just not blowing smoke on this. This is not just something that 
well, let's just put together a, a series on about UFOs or alien craft or whatever you want to call them. Uh, the, these guys are deadly serious about what they're doing. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind and a lot of other people's minds that uh, this is serious information. So one has to ask the question, uh, why are they doing it? Where are they getting their information from? And the key point that I'd like to make right here is within the Pentagon, and I have this from two different sources, that there are factions within the Pentagon, two, you know, battling factions, if you want to call them, one faction in favor of coming out in, in certain terms and or ways with this disclosure kind of cagey announcement and then another fact and saying, no, we're not going to say anything. So my information is that the Pentagon is is totally perplexed about what they're doing. Uh, some want it and some don't. And I think that the Pentagon has to uh, has to deal with that. They're really in a very difficult, they've put themselves in a very, very difficult position. And uh, national intelligence and, and national security is at risk here. So which faction is going to uh, lead the way to say, listen, let's put this forward in a way that journalists, the media, and the general public can understand this? Or, as the, as, you know, many people believe within the Pentagon, say, let's just not say anything. So they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a totally contradictory position that they're in. So that, that's, that's where I think we're at with all of that. That, to me, is the bigger picture. Where will the Pentagon stand on this? Will they go one way or another? And the vacillation that they've shown over the past six months is an indication that, you know, the Pentagon still will always lie about this. That's my position. Stephen, is one faction uh, going to get an upper hand over the other in 2020, or are we going to continue to see this tug of war? I don't know if, I don't know if we want to call it a tug of war. Or even the vacillation. Um, uh, they had a pretty much a straightforward, I think, plan. Uh, come forward, make the key announcements, or rather deliver the, well, come forward, uh, launch the website, launch the money raising, um, company. A, uh, a, uh, what do you call it? A, a public support company raise some money so they can operate and start getting information out. Um, and that was also supposed to happen in November of 2016. What didn't happen is that uh, they didn't they didn't launch until October of 2017 because of political developments. Because, and this is what makes this also extremely difficult for people to understand and analyze, is that it just so happened that this extraordinary maneuver by a group within the Pentagon to get on the right side of this issue and advance it under certain rules and protocols coincided with the biggest, messiest, most complicated series of constitutional crises the country has ever faced. All right, I'll jump in there. This is a short segment. We'll come back. I'll get you to pick up on that point. We'll go right back to you, Stephen, on the other side, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, I want to go right back to Stephen Bassett to pick up on that point. Uh, this uh, constitutional crisis you're referring to, the impeachment hearings and so forth, and... Uh, 
how that is connected to uh, ET disclosure? In many, 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 many ways. First of all, it's literally consuming the political media so that they got as much attention as they did. Over 500 articles was practically a miracle. But as things intensified down the line, it became more increasingly difficult to garner attention. Secondly, there's no doubt in my mind that the next step for them is congressional hearings. We did learn that early this year they started going up on the hill and having secret private meetings with members of uh, committees. Uh, and almost certainly they were having those meetings as preparation for hearings where some of these witnesses, pilots, and everything else would be able to address this issue. We'd finally get the hearings that a lot of people have tried very hard to get for since 1968. That would be a big deal. But those hearings aren't going to happen this year. It could never have happened this year. And that's why they had to keep the meeting secret. And they're not going to happen until the status of the president is resolved long term, meaning it's known clearly what his status will be for a significant amount of time going forward. And even that will be very difficult. This was a, a monkey wrench the size of an aircraft carrier, like the Ninets, thrown into their master plan. That plan was a good plan. They didn't see it coming. And so that's another thing that has made this complex. And when you factor in the wave, the tsunami of disinformation, misinformation, outright hardcore propaganda, foolishness, jokes, hoaxes, and just general comedy that accompanies the political situation in America right now. Are you saying that, Stephen, just to clarify, had we not had these impeachment hearings, we may now be witnessing congressional hearings, public congressional hearings on this very issue, ET disclosure? saying much more we the, the the ultimate plan of this of the to the stars academy fundamental disclosure aspect of that plan was dead on arrival the day donald trump was elected done cooked finished that they went ahead and, and, and launched anyway 11 months later was notable and i have some thoughts and speculations about why they did that I can think of a number of reasons, but it wasn't going to, it was going to be tough. And not surprisingly, uh, they did pick a time when things were kind of slowing down. Not surprisingly, the, the constitutional crisis in America just ate it up. Ultimately pushing it into the back burner, pushing it off to the side. Except for the, the diehard supporters, the diehard people in the community. I get that. But for us to, to win disclosure, we can't do it by a few hundred researchers and activists storming the Capitol with the pitchforks and torches. We need a huge number of people behind us. That's what congressional hearings can create. And that's dead in the water, indefinitely. And so while that stopped, people are picking at the, at the program and finding anything they can to, to point out contradictions and negatives and so forth, like they're picking it up. Christmas turkey, the last meat on the bones. It's unfortunate, but the list of unfortunate things attached to the last three years of American politics is now practically a mile long. So that's just the way it is. 
I'd, I'd like to ask Steve uh, for his, his his reflections on two things, and they're they're, they're related. First of all, um, the the report that Representative uh, in Congress Mark Walker, uh, a Republican from North Carolina, uh, sent a letter to the Navy Secretary, uh, who is now defunct, Richard Spencer, uh, requesting more information about the source. Of unidentified aerial phenomena. This, you know, the representative sent a letter to the Secretary of Defense in yes. the Navy. Um, a, a very important letter, in, in my assessment. There's that one, and then I'm going to juxtapose that letter, Steve, with um, this incredible level of coverage that Fox News, uh, Mr. Tucker Carlson, has <laughs> has has embarked upon, and he's relentlessly covering the whole UFO issue. Uh, w- with uh, with unrelenting uh, coverage over the, over the past uh, six to eight months, um, how are those two things related in terms of media and government wanting to find out more? What's going on with these with these two entities uh, looking for more information uh, in the way that they are? First of all, we have to distinguish between how hardcore researchers and activists like you and I see those things and how the rest of the public does. We see them as extremely important. The vast number of public could care less. They're not that important. Right? Right. But they're important to us because it does represent a progress of sorts, and it's fixed, it's permanent, it's going to be on the record. And so what Walker did was he made a legitimate response to an, uh, a briefing that he got from the pilots. He's one of the many that have been briefed on the Hill. And by doing that, he acknowledged and made it clear that he had been briefed, which is why I'm able to say now that there were briefings that took place, though I don't know the total number of members of Congress that were briefed. And that was good. And he sent this appropriate letter to Spencer. And then he didn't get the response he wanted. He kind of complained about it. But then he shut up. I assure you, that's, that's buried. right? But it was a nice moment. We need moments a thousand times bigger than that moment. Right, and then right. as far as the other matter, oh, God, t- help me. Um, uh, what was the other point you made? Tuck, uh, Tucker Carlson. Yeah, Tucker Carlson. Okay. Reporting on this relentlessly. He's, he's interviewed just about anybody and everybody with respect to this. And he's asking really good questions, Steve, and you know the that. The Tucker Carlson thing is, is kind of amusing to me. Uh, yes, Tucker Carlson has jumped on this issue. And yes, that has given it some prominence. It certainly gave a hell of a lot of promise to Nick Pope, which ended up becoming a significant feature in the countdown to disclosure. Ancient Aliens virtually took over that show. But what's that really about? Tucker Carlson is utterly reviled by people on the left and a lot of centrists. Hated, despised. He is one of the crudest in some cases, one of the most complete blanket blind supporters of the president. More importantly, he has his ear. He actually talks to him. He's, he's a president whisperer. And so he gets a huge amount of awful email and Twitters and so forth. And that's the way it is now. If you're reviled out there, a whole lot of people are going to tell you just how reviled you are. And it's not fun being hated. And when this story broke, Tucker, he got into it because it was a very interesting story. And when he did and he brought somebody on, guess what? He got some very nice responses. He got people saying, great, good on, Tucker. And he, yeah. he was so used to being actually barbecued 
except for the people on the right, which of course would give him all the praise, but that's not enough to compensate when fairly smart people are still absolutely trashing on a daily basis. He said, I like that. I want more of that. And so he started covering it even more. And he even brought it up to an interview to the president very lightly. Nothing big, but he brought it up in an interview. And so he's kind of doing his part in a way. But I assure you, it's not like Tucker Carlson has now committed himself to getting Mm -hmm. transparency from the government on this issue in a major way. Because on a whole range of other issues that are not dissimilar than this, he has usually the absolute medieval approach. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would have to stand up for Tucker. I watch him on a nightly basis. Anyway, he's doing more than most in this regard. So I think we have to give him credit for that. However, we are uh, out of time. We will hopefully pick this up on the other side in 2020 and let's see what happens. Stephen Bassett, Victor Vigiani, thank you so much for this. Appreciate your time. When we come back, open lines, your predictions for 2020 right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. <laughs> 